Hi everyone, welcome to the first ever episode of the PuzzleCast, Puzzle AR's podcast. The goal of the PuzzleCast is to introduce students to the immersive technology industry and interview those in the industry firsthand. Over the next coming weeks, Puzzle plans to release bi-weekly episodes of the PuzzleCast as we also roll out our Wonder Initiative content. It's Puzzle's mission to educate students about immersive technology, its applications, and the industry at large. We're the XR, XR organization for students by students. I'm Alex McNeely, the founder and CEO of Puzzle AR. I'm also a high school junior from Chicago, and I've been involved in the XR industry for about a year now. The PuzzleCast's first guest is Olivia Wenzel. She's an undergraduate attending Harvard College and the founder of Ultratech LLC. She was also the co-chair of the VRAR Association uh, Student Committee over the summer. <clears throat> I'm sorry, over the summer, Olivia and I worked on the first ever VR and AR parent and student resource. In this episode, Olivia and I are going to talk about education amidst COVID-19, the necessity of immersive technology and learning, and the VR AR parent and student resource that we both worked on. So Olivia, to start us off, how has COVID-19 impacted your learning and your education? Well, thanks for having me, Alex. I'm excited to be here for the first episode. How has COVID-19 impacted my learning? Well, <laughs> in more ways than I can count. Um, I think the major way I felt it is in my interactions with my professors or back in high school since I started back then, uh, with my teachers and in particular my peers. So um, starting college this past semester, I've, I found that um, a lot of the work is very collaborative, which is great. Um, but it also poses a number of difficulties because um, the way Harvard kind of structured this semester, most of the freshmen were on campus, but a decent portion were not. They were learning remotely. All of our classes were online, so no hybrid model. Um, I did get to see some people in person, but that was only because we decided to meet up. They didn't actually sponsor any real in-person events. So um, we learned to work on Zoom. <laughs> And um, we weren't using any immersive technologies, which we'll talk about later. Um, so a lot of the interactions felt pretty awkward, especially at first. Um, it was hard to figure out how to collaborate on um, more intense, let's say, code-based projects, on math problem sets. So it was an interesting adjustment. Often felt depersonalized, had a hard time feeling like I could, was really getting to know people, um, but we adjusted. So I would say that's a major way that my learning has been affected. It's in the relationships, which are so integral to a successful learning environment. And how would you say graduating was um, amidst COVID-19? Yeah, so, so it was a little sad. <laughs> so um, I, my high school, and I'm, I'm sure this is true for a lot of high school seniors, they had a number of exciting traditions that, you know, if you went there for uh, your freshman year, you waited several years for, and then um, a lot of them were wiped away. It's hard to replicate, uh, again, a lot of these interpersonal interactions online. So 
Um, I'll, I'll point out one one tradition that all of us seem to look forward to. It's kind of cheesy, but um, we have at the beginning of the year, we the seniors will give kindergartners at our school little flowers to hand off. It's sort of like a you know, a welcome to Laurel, which is my high school. Um, and at the end of the year, the kindergartners will give us flowers, but. <laughs> Um, they tried to replicate that online. Basically, the kindergartners drew us little flowers. It was sweet, but, you know, you always look forward to that hug that you'll get from your, the kindergartner you were assigned and never happened. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was a little disappointing to lose out on some of those traditions, uh, to lose touch with a lot of the peers that you've grown close with over four years or shorter if they joined, you know, later in their high school journey. But um, it is what it is. I try not to yeah, get too sad about it because, um, you know, it's, if you keep a positive attitude, I think that's, that's the only way you can really move forward. Um, and I'm, I'm fortunate that I'm healthy and safe and that the people I love are for the most part healthy and safe. And I know it's the right thing to do to, you know, learn remotely and keep a distance. Yeah. At my school, uh, we have a tradition, uh, that's called senior skip day where all of the seniors just decide to skip class, skip school, right? And I guess every single day was kind of like senior skip day once COVID hit, because you could just go to your Zoom meetings, turn off the camera, turn off the microphone, and just leave it playing in the background. Um, and also, uh, they had a virtual prom at my school, but that didn't go as planned. And yeah, I just I just feel really bad for the seniors, you know, not living, not uh, going and experiencing the traditions. But um, yeah, so how have um, how has Zoom uh, kind of like impacted your learning? Is Zoom how how has Zoom been? Um, how, how how have you been impacted by Zoom in your learning? Is it is it good? Do you like Zoom? Uh, you know, because my school, uh, everyone uses Zoom. And the problem with Zoom is that it's 2D, right? It's mm -hmm. not 3D. We, we as students, you know, before the pandemic, we usually learn things 3D in the classroom, right? But when you learn things 2D, it, it takes out that different level of experience, right? In, in your learning. So um, what do you think of learning that way? I, I think you really hit the head on the nail, if that's the correct expression. <laughs> um, so what I said before about it, it can feel pretty depersonalized in terms of relationships. I think that's definitely true. Um, but yeah, in regards to like my direct learning, what you said, also what you said before about it being so easy to just turn off your camera, turn off your mic, listen in the background, or maybe not listen at all. Not necessarily speaking for myself all the time. I try to listen. Don't worry, professors. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's way too easy to disengage. Um, the format itself is not conducive to really holding your attention. Uh, if you do try to pay attention the full time and stay engaged, you know, spending hours and hours and hours staring at that screen can definitely cause headaches or as we all know, Zoom fatigue. So it's, it's not ideal. Um, there are certainly ways that instructors and, you know, students, let's say if it's a club meeting, can try to optimize the platform, you know, uh, using different 
means of interaction to engage us, whether it's like polls or, uh, you know, cold calling on people, which is not my favorite thing, <laughs> putting us in breakout rooms. Sometimes you could switch it up to make it a little bit better. But um, uh, yeah, by and large, it's not, it's not ideal. Um, I would say some bright spots I've found that you know, I talked before about it could be hard to kind of collaborate on, let's say, more like hands intensive projects. But um, sometimes I find that if we're a little more efficient in a smaller group in a Zoom meeting versus in person. So you eliminate, you know, the transportation time. I don't have to, in my case, walk only five minutes to another place on campus. <laughs> it's still saving some time. Um, or if I'm meeting with someone halfway across the world, you know, I don't have to fly down there. Uh, not that I really did a lot of that before, but um, it, yeah, it, it introduces some efficiency, I would say. There are definitely bright spots, but um, not the best. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I was just going to ask about the mental, emotional challenges of online school and everything. And, you know, like you said, it's kind of depersonalizing and you get Zoom fatigue from staring at a screen all day. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, so I was just wondering, like, have you felt a lack of motivation to, to, to continue on with this online school system? Um, and like, if you have, have you been doing anything to kind of like, um, you know, uh, better your mental health or, or, or relax during, you know, COVID learning? Oh, for sure. Um, the big thing I've done is get a lot more sleep. <laughs> I did not get much sleep in high school, um, except for like the second semester of senior year, which, you know, um, <laughs> a little bit of a, what, what is it called? Not senior fatigue. Senioritis. Senioritis. Yeah, I completely forgot that term. <laughs> so maybe I suffer from a little senioritis. But that's just besides the point. Um, yeah, getting a lot more sleep, taking breaks. Uh, I think for the, uh, most of my professors are really conscious of the fact that we need breaks. So like, for example, my introductory computer science class I took this year, it's like three plus hours lectures. So we have like five or 10 minutes breaks, you know, dispersed throughout the lecture. Um, I definitely check in with, I, I try to check in with my emotions and see how I'm feeling. Um, if I can tell that I'm really tired, then I'll say, if I have to attend a required lecture, I'll attend that lecture. But, you know, if something's optional, maybe I could watch it, quote unquote, asynchronously, watch a recording later on. And I, I know that I'm tired and I, I won't be able to fully uh, engage and let the content like sink in, then I'll not attend live and I'll, I'll, I'll listen to it later. Um, I try to engage with friends, make friends, talk to people. I was fortunate to be on a campus where we got tested every couple of days. So it felt pretty safe. Um, in the, at least the people that I was talking to generally follow guidelines. So keeping a mask on, keeping social distance. So I tried to sprinkle in some in-person interactions too when I could. Um, yeah, I, I tried to stay really in tune with how I was feeling and make sure I wasn't... Um, overwhelming my senses <laughs> yeah how about uh, you well at my school um you know i think this happened with a lot of schools uh where when the covid19 pandemic started like spreading and they had to move the schools online uh, my school didn't really know how to schedule for it and how to adapt for it mm. so in uh you know in my sophomore year second semester Oh, when everyone moved online, they just 
basically had the same schedule uh, adapted for Zoom, right? Mm. And that was that didn't really work for a lot of students. You know, we had to we had to get up at seven thirty, which I mean, it's it's early, but you know, most most students my age they sleep till like what ten, eleven, probably. Sometimes later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so, you know, it was like more added stress, more time staring at screens. And over the summer, uh, my school actually kind of made a schedule that adapted to uh, the, the new uh, learning online. And so what they did was they made days start not at 7.30, but rather at 9.40, allowed us to get more time to sleep and they also gave everyone a dedicated lunch period because previously um, if you had a lunch period it would take up a regular period in your day mm-hmm. be dedicated and that lunch period was about an hour so you know you have time to like relax maybe like not stare at screens maybe go outside in that time during that hour but um, yeah, so my school really adapted. They really try to, they tried to make students feel more relaxed and thus they could have a better learning experience. That's great. So uh, I wanna get into the necessity for immersive tech in learning. Yay. <laughs> so how do you think um, immersive technology can help with learning? Yeah, <laughs> so we wrote a lot about this over the summer. Um, I would say look to the research, look to the the current use cases. Um, I'll just name a few of the many benefits. So we touched on before, or I touched on before with Zoom, it's hard to concentrate, hard to hold your attention. Um, The research tells us, and I know from personal experience too, that being in a a fully immersive environment better holds your attention, allows you to better engage, um, helps you better understand the content. Um, and actually retain it for a longer period of time, understand more dimensions of it, literally and figuratively. Um, I think that it allows for more seamless interactions with people. It feels more real, helps, I said depersonalize, so I don't know what the reverse would be, more personal (laughs) interactions, whatever. I I think you get the point. Um, Yeah, it it feels more real, live collaboration, um, where more of those hands-on projects are actually, they, they feel somewhat like quote unquote real life. Um, uh, yeah, those are just a few of the benefits that I think are really important that we've, we've lost in the Zoom era. Yeah, yeah. Um, I read a study uh, recently that showed that, you know, uh, it, was a, it was a chemistry lab, right? Mm. And, but it was virtual, it was in VR, right? And, you know, I'm taking chemistry this year. And one thing that I haven't had the chance to do is do a chemistry lab, right? Mm. And so with this new VR chemistry app that you could get, you know, presumably if you have a headset and everything, uh, you know, you could simulate doing that lab with all the, the gestures and, you know, all of the different um, visuals and audio that come with doing an actual chemistry lab. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that, you know, if I was given the chance to have a more immersive experience in learning something like chemistry, 
you know, I would get a better feel for it and I would be more enthusiastic with actually learning chemistry. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, And so for more risk taking too, or for a a riskier kind of or hazardous chemistry experiment that maybe even if we weren't in COVID times, you wouldn't want to do in real life because it poses a danger to students who are inexperienced working those tools. You could do it in VR, like you said, and it feels pretty real. (laughs) Or, or let's say, you know, you wanted to learn about something, but learning about it would be like, you know, impossible or maybe like really expensive to do. Mm-hmm. Let's say I wanted to learn about, I don't know, some sort of like poisonous tree frog from like Brazil or something, right? I could probably use AR to project a 3D model of it. And you could learn, you could learn from it being there, but it's not actually there. And yeah, so yeah, immersive learning in, in, um, in education is, you know, really a necessity because it, it saves time, it, it saves money, and it also engages students more. It makes them more curious. And, you know, I also wanted to talk about being curious, right? Um, so over the summer, uh, we both worked on the uh, VR and AR parent and student resource. And in that resource, we had the Curiosity Project. So, uh, you know, I came on a little bit later, but, uh, you know, you were really the brains behind the operation. and uh, could you tell me more about how that came about? Yeah, and maybe I'll start really quickly how I got involved with the VRARA. Um, So long story short, (laughs) I am very interested in um, using technology to better the world, specifically in the healthcare space. So um, one of the areas I've been exploring and hope to continue exploring is Um, How can we improve the quality of life of older adults and especially those with dementia? I think technology offers really unique opportunities to connect people. Um, And I, gosh, summer going into maybe junior year, I might be messing up the timeline slightly, but um, I started exploring virtual reality as a means to uh, deliver reminiscence therapy, music therapy for people with dementia. So basically creating like nostalgic environments with interactive uh, activities and period appropriate music and characters. And I reached out to some, because I didn't really know what I was doing, <laughs> still, still figuring that out. Um, I reached out to some companies and universities in the area to ask for help. Ended up meeting someone named Ronaldo Zabala, who was involved with the VRARA and the student committee which is a subcommittee of the uh, VRA's education committee. He ended up connecting me with them because he was excited about my, my, my interest in VRAR and all the, the research I was starting to do. Um, and at the time, the student committee was, was just getting started. Uh, they only had, I think, one or two other students. Uh, they were crafting kind of their mission statement, but they weren't really sure what what uh, what their project were going to be, what, what their initiative was going to be. How are they going to uh, better serve serve their mission? How are they actually going to carry it out? Um, and so I kind of got involved at that. I would say I don't want to say pivotal moment, but you know, in the in the early stages. Um, and one of the things that came up a number of times was this idea of, of connecting, bringing in parents. So we knew we want to focus on students hence the student committee, but um, getting parents involved is, is very critical, especially for a, a younger person because they're, they're so intimately involved in a student's a learning process. We spend a lot of time at school, but we spend probably a lot more time at home or at least with parents and, and guardians. 
Um, so we wanted to find a way to kind of bridge bridge that uh, that knowledge gap, not only with students, but um, with parents and educators too, eventually. So um, kind of the mission at the time was how do we support, we want to support parents and students and schools in adopting immersive technologies and 3D learning. Um, and we decided on creating some kind of resource. It was still pretty uh, ambiguous at the time, but some kind of resource to, to, to support those different bodies. Um, and the first, we, we decided to create a literary resource. The first issue was just like bare bones basics. So we, we had an idea for like a skeleton of the structure. We knew um, we wanted to maybe create multiple issues. We probably have some kind of glossary. We probably have some kind of introduction. You know, we were still feeling this out. Um, but yeah, that first issue just introduced the basics of like, what's virtual reality? What's augmented reality? What's, what are immersive technologies? What does it mean to learn in 3D? And most importantly, I'll say important again, you know, why, why do we care? Why should we learn with immersive technologies? So we, we took a particular focus on um, applications of immersive technologies in industry. So uh, kind of building this message that, you know, as parents, one of your main roles is to help support your child in preparing for their, their future and, and working and contributing to the world. Um, and, and we wanted to convey that, that immersive technologies are a big part of that future. So it's, it's important to start interacting with, engaging with, tinkering with them now. Um, and, and so then we kind of went from there. So, that, you know, we had a few more issues right before you came on, building on, on those key concepts that we um, first introduced in the issue. In, Issue number one, um, talking about more applications, uh, starting to dive deeper into how do you actually uh, interact with 3D through various mechanisms, whether it's, you know, you're in a full-blown VR headset or, um, you know, on your, on your phone, augmented reality. Um, and then you came on. Well, I'll stop there. <laughs> um, yeah, so I came on, uh, was it? issue five, I think. Yeah, issue four or five, yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm gonna tell the story about how I actually came about to work right. on the project. <laughs> okay, so um, I had just like, okay, so it's like December, 2019, right? And I, I, you know, I was just exploring around with different technologies, right? And I found this one technology, augmented reality, uh, on Snapchat, actually, it was one of the Snapchat filters. And I wanted to make one of those things. So I started looking up on it and I actually found this one organization in Chicago called VRAR Chicago, um, who's, uh, uh, who's directed by the, this guy named Matt Wren, really smart dude. Um, he's like the CTO of, of this uh, AR company, AR startup in Chicago. And, you know, I got to talking with him. And what's really cool about VR AR Chicago is that they have monthly events that, um, you know, are a lot like this podcast where they interview people uh, that are participating in the industry and contribute to it. Um, but I guess it's at a much larger scale, right? It's more of a panel than just a one-on-one -on -one interview. And so I went to a couple of those events and I decided um, in the midst of COVID-19 that, you know, instead of looking at Instagram all day, you know, I kind of want to actually build more stuff in AR. And that's when I came upon the idea of puzzle. 
And I was actually just finishing up uh, Puzzles Resources, Puzzles uh, Content Plan that we're actually phasing out, that, that we're phasing in, that we're releasing, sorry, <laughs> forgot that word, that we're releasing over the next coming weeks. Um, and I was working on that. And I was talking to Matt about that. And he was like, hey, there's this, uh, there's this uh, girl in, in, uh, in Ohio. She's working on her own thing, right? And you should check it out. And so, yeah, and then I, then I met you, Olivia. And I also met Julie and uh, we started working on the project. So, yeah. yeah. And I'm so glad that you joined. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I think when you joined, we started to reshape the focus of the resources a bit. So you meant, I think you mentioned the curiosity project earlier in the podcast. Yeah. Um, and you also said you didn't want to scroll through Instagram all day. That's a, you know, great segue. Uh, so one of the things we talked about, I don't want to say the peak of Kobe, because I don't really remember the exact time, exact timing of this, but um, Julie and I, and, and you and you joined and some other students who joined too, discussed how easy it was <laughs> um, in the COVID world and it, with all our abundant free time to, you know, yeah, scroll through Instagram, watch YouTube videos, whatever your vice is. Yeah, spend lots of time, spend lots and lots of time doing, let's say, perhaps less productive things. Mm -hmm. um, and we wanted to figure out how could we re-inspire people's curiosity just in the way that, you know, you sparked your curiosity. Um, so we ended up creating the Curiosity Project and I'll, I'll let you kind of lead that part of the conversation. Um, but re yeah, really our goal was to help not only prepare students to, to contribute and develop in 3D and use those technologies, but um, to actually get them tinkering and inspired again. So they could start tackling real problems. And we introduced VR and AR, XR more broadly, uh, as means for, for uh, pursuing those interests. So maybe you want to talk more about the Curiosity Project? Yeah, so um, Curiosity Project, what our goal was is we wanted to inspire curiosity, but we also wanted to take students through the XR development process and kind of get them at like a, a launching point, I think the term, I think that's the term, uh, where they can just, you know, explore more, either go to like VR or AR from there, right? And so, um, you know, we took them through the process of um, brainstorming a prompt. We taught them about, uh, was it divergent thinking? Divergent thinking is the one where it's like, um, you got all different aspects that you're trying to think of. And, you know, there's just not one focus, you're focusing on everything, right? Yeah, not one answer. Yeah, yeah. question. And so we got them to think about divergent thinking. And uh, we also, um, we brought them through designing, wireframing, uh, the process, specifically wireframing in 3D. That's really important because most wireframing has been in 2D for like websites and apps. And so we introduced them to that, introduced them to texturing and 3D modeling and where they could find 3D models. Uh, we touched a little bit about animation, touched on that a little bit. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, publishing, uh, we used Julie Smithson's uh, 3D Metaverse engine as our, as our um, uh, software that we used for the tutorial. And uh, we taught them how to publish it. And uh, we gave them resources that they could use to explore immersive technology further. 
and uh, one of the resources uh, is Puzzle. So, um, and, all tied uh, together nicely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, is there anything I missed out on the Curiosity Project? Um, I I think that that captures it really well. I would just say one of the things that uh, we struggled with a bit in writing the resources. How do we not overwhelm? So you mentioned, you know, there were there were certain areas of the development and the design process that we really focused on, and there were others, maybe like animations, for instance, that we didn't get to focus on so much. So there was kind of a tug of war in that, you know, we wanted to provide as many resources and as much information as possible, really, you know, uh, stock their tool belt so they were ready to go out into the world and and create whatever they wanted to. Uh, but yeah, we also didn't want to drive them away. We didn't want an information, you know, do an information overload. Um, and we wanted it to be digestible for a pretty diverse audience. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, I, I would just say that, you know, that was one of the struggles, but also a, a really powerful uh, learning for, for all of us as we learned how to better um, communicate ideas and, and empower students. Yeah, and speaking of communicating ideas, uh, this resource was done um, like entirely virtually. Like we were mm -hmm. meeting on Zoom. We were uh, we were writing different portions of the resources uh, all on a Google Doc. You know, at, at different times we were communicating via Discord. And you know, I think that is really kind of indicative of this new era that we're living in, where you know you can, like me, a kid from Chicago, can. Uh, work with students from Massachusetts, Ohio, uh, Canada, you know, it, it's, it's really, um, yeah, it was just, it was really, I don't want to say empowering, because I feel like that's too strong of a word, but. I think it was empowering. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, anything you want to say about the resource and everything? I would echo your sentiments about how incredible it was to work with students from all over the nation and kind of globally too, right? Um, uh, yeah, the collaboration virtually, that's, that's interesting to reflect on, uh, especially in light of our comments earlier about learning <laughs> and the 2D format. I think there were definitely road bumps, um, but I think we were, we were very successful in, in navigating the, uh, the COVID collaboration world. Um, Zoom served us pretty well. We did. I think we were able to figure out how to, how to build relationships and get to know each other a little bit better, work professionally, um, and I, yeah, I, I think it was definitely an empowering experience. And I'm excited for um, everyone else to uh, take advantage of the resource. Maybe form their own committees, form their own groups, work collaboratively, remotely with people all over the place, and create something awesome. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we presented the resource to the VR Air Global Summit. Uh, I talked about the resource in my talk at VR Air Chicago. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm going to echo something that I said when we were presenting to the VR Air Global Summit. Mm -hmm. is that We really want students to just, you know, get a couple friends, get a team, and just, just think creatively. Just, you can make whatever you want with this new technology. And, you know, that's where puzzle comes in because you got to know how to do it. And puzzles like the one stop shop for for knowing about all about um, AR and immersive technology. So, yeah.
yeah, it, it can, it's exciting. It can definitely be overwhelming. Um, there's a, a, a wide variety of resources and wider, uh, <laughs> interesting variety and quality. So I, I think that's great that Puzzle is able to provide, be that one-stop shop, like you said. Um, having a, a point place to go to for questions and a starting point, that would have been really helpful, I know, when I was starting out too, because um, it, it's hard to, when you're first starting, figure out, you know, what, what's relevant, what do I really need to know to get started, uh, where do I go from, you know, wherever point I was at. So uh, mm -hmm. I'm excited for students to benefit from all the work that you do, too. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, there's also another aspect, too, and, and that's the industry, too. A lot of things uh, in, in the VR, AR industry they're really just behind closed doors, right? It, mm. Like the global summit, you know, that costs some money. Uh, being a VRAR association member, that also costs some money. Mm -hmm. and, you know, going to all those different like industry networking events, those all cost money. And a lot of students, you know, if they want to thrive in the industry, they've got to know the industry. But, you know, because that costs money, you know, a lot of them are hindered, you know, from growing and expanding the industry and expressing themselves in immersive technology. And so that's also another one of Puzzle's goals is to expose them to the industry, uh, you know, complete, completely for free and, you know, democratize uh, the education of immersive technology. So, um, well, I want to thank you for having, uh, for, uh, having you on the first ever uh, puzzle cast episode. Um, and uh, yeah, I hope the rest of your schooling goes well. And uh, I do too. <laughs> I hope Zoom fatigue doesn't get to you, you know, because a lot of students, they're, you know, like you said before, it's lack of motivation and everything. And yeah, so uh, make sure you stay tuned for the next puzzle cast episode. And check out puzzleAR.com for our first uh, phase of the Wonder Initiative content, where we explore what XR is and what you can do to help build for it. Thank you. Thank you.